The following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. Your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Just a little talk with Jesus clears the way. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. You got a little bit of Roy in that one, but not much. Well, I figured it would segue good into your Bible yeah. verse, so that's why I started yeah. off with it. But that's good. I, that's, I, that's good thought. This is fantastic. This was yeah. off of uh, Hee Haw, and it's the Oakers. You got another Roy Roy one there? You might want to throw at us before we get started. Um, it, it'll take me a couple minutes okay. to throw something up All there. Right. But that was fine. from uh, uh, Hee Haw, the Oakridge Boys, and Roy Clark. Yeah, and I just thought it was fantastic. Of course, Roy Clark passed away this week at the age of eighty-five in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you know Roy Clark won so many awards uh, for entertainer of the year and uh just different things uh he was so versatile he could play uh guitar banjo he was a great vocalist um could play the trumpet piano i mean he was just a a real uh polymath at at uh in the music business and uh was truly uh a humble sort of guy, you know, he, he really was the driving force in many ways behind hee haw. Um, he and Buck Owens, of course, and, uh, just, uh, just was a remarkable guy. So we salute him on, uh, the Tom Dupree show and we'll, we'll play some of his songs as we go through the morning. The happiness of those who trust in God. This is Psalm number 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. So that's from Psalm 34. Um, There was an interesting thing that happened uh, within the last couple of weeks. The um, Pittsburgh Tree of Life Synagogue had a terrible attack where a gunman came in there and, and shot a bunch of people to death, saying all Jews must die. Really horrible thing. And um, there was a, at a political rally in Grand Rapids, Michigan, the next day, um, or a day or so later, Mike Pence invited Rabbi Lauren Jacobs to offer a prayer for the 11 worshipers who were gunned down by a madman. Jacobs began his prayer by saying, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God and Father of my Lord and Savior Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, and my God and Father too. Continuing, Jacobs asked, Lord, please work so that instead of division in our nation, there is unity and peace. Unfortunately, instead of unity and peace, Jacob's prayer ignited a firestorm in the Jewish community since he is not a traditional rabbi, but a messianic rabbi, one who believes that Jesus of Nazareth is the Jewish Messiah. Now, this created a ton of controversy, and I want to read from an article um, by a woman named Myra Adams saying why Messianic Judaism isn't anti-Semitic because uh, it was accused of being that way later on. It's unclear whether the vice president initially knew about Rabbi Jacobs, and if so, inviting him to the stage was tone deaf and considering the raw emotion of this National Geographic National Jewish tragedy. Either way, Pence's actions have a cast a negative light on Messianic Judaism, and for this writer, a Jew who also believes that Jesus is the Messiah, it's all very personal. Uh, and one of the things that she says is that although she found from the media coverage about Messianic Jews riddled with mischaracterizations, exaggerations, and inaccuracy, I resigned myself to letting the storm pass. However, late Tuesday night, I read an article in The Hill that embedded a tweet from Stephen I. Weiss asserting flatly, Messianic Judaism is anti-Semitic. Such incendiary descriptions are nothing new. In over four days since I accepted Jesus as my own Lord and Savior, I've experienced various degrees of hostility and insults from my own Jewish family and fellow Jews. So the question that we're boiling down is, can one be a Jew and a Christian at the same time? That's the, that's the question that's being asked. And this woman says, yes, you can be. She says, although every Messianic Jew can attest to similar treatment, we all have unique and fascinating conversion stories. Here are some highlights from mine. 
shared in the hope that traditional Jews who have read this far will open their hearts and minds and reject the absurd and offensive claim that Messianic Judaism is anti-Semitism. First, let's begin with some Bible-based and history-based facts. Jesus was born and raised a Jew. He preached from the Jewish Bible and worshipped in the temple. After his crucifixion, he was prepared for burial according to Jewish customs. The major theological differences between Judaism and Messianic Judaism, along with all Christian sects, are the belief that Jesus was the promised Christ, that he was resurrected from the dead, is Messiah, Lord, and Savior, and will return someday. How did I come to believe this? Born and raised Jewish in the Boston suburb of Needham with the last name of Khan, my parents were culturally Jewish, but religious practice was virtually non-existent in my home. Growing up, I knew only two basic religious facts. I was Jewish, and Jews did not believe in Jesus. I was without faith, but during my sophomore year in college at Ohio State University, Jesus came to me. He pulled to me as if he had inserted a ring through my nose. Doubt and resistance were never options, nor contemplated. Without ever seeing or hearing him speak, I instinctively knew that this powerful force was Jesus. I had no choice but to follow him, even though I knew nothing, absolutely nothing about him. Over the years, I have been asked about my conversion. After describing the ring through the nose, I always add, I had faith before I had knowledge. Even after 43 years as a Jewish Christian, my quest for biblical knowledge continues, but I call myself a completed Jew. This term is popular among Jewish believers and stems from the notion that the Old Testament prophecies and teachings are completed or fulfilled by Jesus in the New, New Testament. With my background established, here's why I believe it's highly offensive for Messianic Jews to be called anti-Semitic. First, such acts and behaviors towards Jews are evil, sinful, and contrary to Jesus' teachings. In Mark 12, 29-31, when he quotes from the Torah book of Leviticus and declares, Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself, is the second greatest commandment. Therefore, Jews who follow Jesus would not knowingly engage in behavior towards traditional Jews that is anti-Semitic. Second, Jews believing that Jesus Christ was who he said he was does not make us anti-Jewish. On the contrary, besides being completed in our faith as previously discussed, believing that Jesus is the Messiah makes us proud and privileged to be Jewish disciples of the greatest Jew who ever walked the planet. We also benefit knowing that his spirit dwells within us. Messianic Jews can't possibly be anti-Jewish since we follow a Jew who positively impacted and changed the course of human history and still changes lives every day. Meanwhile, believers in Christ, as do all Christians, fully acknowledge that over the centuries mankind has committed evil acts while invoking the name of Jesus, acts that Jesus himself would never approve of and from which he must be associated, disassociated. Finally, some loving advice to my Jewish brothers and sisters. Learn about the Jewishness of Jesus. Read about his life and teachings in the New Testament without fear of conversion. Familiarize yourself with numerous fascinating Old Testament messianic prophecies that foretold his birth, 
life and death centuries before he was born. In addition, specifically educate yourself about why the great majority of Jews reject Jesus as the Messiah, as opposed to the standard Jews don't believe in Jesus, period. Throughout my life, I have met many Jews who were unaware that Jesus was even Jewish, who, th who thought he was an enemy of the Jews. Such ignorance only fosters hate and division, resulting in more Jews who believe that Messianic Judaism is anti-Semitic. More important, learn why Jesus is love, because the world could sure use more of that right now. That's just a little something I wanted to share with you that I read uh, from Real Clear Politics this week. Stay with us. You are listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. Democratic majority. The Republicans control the Senate. Impeachment? I don't think so. And he says, keep America great. Not going to happen. Listen every day. 20. The next two years. 20. It's going to be a wild ride. News Radio 630 WLAP. At Dupree Financial Group, we do not earn commissions on your hard-earned retirement dollars. We don't sell you investment products that are difficult to understand. We do research on every security we recommend to you and follow them closely. We meet with you every six months to go over your investment performance. We don't hide from you. We communicate with you regularly about the status of your investments with us. We want you to be informed, comfortable, and happy. If all this sounds too good to be true, give us a try. Call us at 859-233-0400, and we'll set up a no-cost, no-obligation review of your retirement investment portfolio. You may be pleasantly surprised to find out what sort of services are available to you, the retirement investor. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. called racing the mule racing the mule yeah so um michael avenatti got a little comeuppance this week uh, i don't know if you've been following uh the stormy daniels thing but uh this was her lawyer who uh, came out hardcore against trump and uh then he he represented this woman named Julie Swetnick who came out with these really bizarre assertions against Brent Kavanaugh 
or uh, the Kavanaugh guy, uh, I can't think of his first name, the senator or the uh, Brett Brett Kavanaugh, I think's his name, the um, Supreme Court guy, senator. He was tried in front of the senators. So it looks like Michael Avenatti has been busting busted for busting some woman's face. You know, here's this guy who was out bringing these allegations against Kavanaugh that he had raped all these women and, and just bogus kind of stuff. This attorney, Michael Avenatti, who supposedly was also going to run for president, the L.A. Police Department, not a Trump stronghold, arrested him on Wednesday on charges of felony domestic violence. Looks like... Uh, uh, karma is definitely uh, at work here. According to TMZ, a publication that somehow not only breaks inside scoops on these outlier celebrity incidents, but that has emerged as consistently more reliable and trustworthy than some of the honest news that are CNN or the left media outlets. Pornography's lawyer is alleged to have left his alleged vi victim with a swollen and bruised face punctuated by red marks on both of her cheeks. The TMC re report continues. We're told Wednesday afternoon a woman was on the sidewalk on her cell phone with sunglasses covering her eyes, sobbing and screaming on the phone. I can't believe you did this to me. I'm going to get a restraining order against you. We're told security brought her inside the building, took her upstairs, and Michael showed up five minutes later and ran into the building. He screamed repeatedly, She hit me first! So he's busted up her face, and uh, he's saying, well, she hit me first. Call it karma or measure for measure, divine justice, or call it into Diane Feinstein, his United States senator. As we all predicted long ago, sooner or later, partisans on the left would call them, would themselves experience the mockery of justice and moral travesty that became known as the Kavanaugh hearings. Here was Christine Ford, who clearly and openly lied under oath when describing to the Senate Judiciary Committee why she added a second front door to her home. It was not for claustrophobia, but for enhancing the marketability. And whether she comfortably can fly to various destinations automatically. When such a fictional storyteller as she is believed over a decent religious family man with a spotless moral record through decades of public life and scrutiny, all bets are off. In such an atmosphere, Mueller witch hunts seem downright benign as new Salem trials erupt, this time aimed at burning men's reputations at the stake based on little but lies and hatched stories with no basis in reality. The Crucible meets Me Too. In the world of CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, and the other left media is now one of those false narratives punctuated by New Age memes like, well, maybe the facts do not support my claim, but it is my truth. So this is a thing where my truth can be something completely uh, contrary to factual reality, but if I call it my truth, then... It counts somehow. You know, it's my way of remembering whatever happened. Actually, for those who speak the Queen's English or even Brooklyn's English, the word truth is preceded by that definite article, not the possessive. 
You solemnly affirm that you will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. That is truth without the possessive, without the my part added in. So, you know, the Kavanaugh hearings were a farce. Um, it was pretty obvious later on in the in the testimony that this Christine Blasey Ford and all the other accusers were were made up. Now the the left is saying they want to try to uh, impeach Kavanaugh as well as Donald Trump uh, with the Democrats having won the House. So, um, you know, it's it's just really amazing. And sometimes turnabout is fair play. Sometimes you do see uh, something happen that verifies your uh, hunch that this was all made up to begin with and people are um, are simply making hay out of something that's that's false news this uh, article goes on this is an article from the uh, uh, American Spectator. It goes on to talk about another thing born, another falsehood born of the My Truth and the Me Too era may be, well be the Women's March. A Women's March, hardly. First, that institution excludes from its ranks all women who do not share the left agenda of its leaders. So you see these things like Women's Marches pretending to speak for all women. When indeed they don't, they just want to take on the mantle of having the authority of speaking for groups that they don't necessarily represent. All right, stay with us as we move on through some more of this news. It is the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP, and we're listening to Roy Clark. The unemployment rate is at a 48-year low. Most people that want to work are working. If you're trying to fill open positions at your business, you'll have to find your next candidate from the currently employed. iHeartMedia can help you spread the word to 92% of the U.S. population. That's right, 92%. Use this radio station to find your next employee driving to or sitting at their current job. You'll have your pick of the most qualified candidates for any position you have available. We can help. Go to iHeartWorks.com. That's iHeartWorks.com. We pledge allegiance to our flag, but millions of illegal immigrants living in the United States and the hundreds of thousands more that flood across our border each year never made that pledge because of broken immigration laws. Now, conservative Congressman Kevin McCarthy is taking a stand. Build the wall, enforce the law. What this is about is safe communities, our children, protecting them from fentanyl, protecting them from gang members. Our communities will not be safe if you can't secure your own borders. Kevin McCarthy's Build the Wall and Enforce the Law Act fully funds President Trump's border wall, expands Kate's law to penalize criminal illegal immigrants, and cracks down on sanctuary cities. That's the tough conservative solution America needs. Visit timeforthewall.com 
and tell Congress to pass Kevin McCarthy's Build the Wall and Enforce the Law Act. Now, paid for by State Tea Party Express. Travels to Northern California, he'll tour the devastation left behind from the massive campfire. That's blamed for at least 71 deaths, and the number of those missing has also jumped to 1,000. Authorities say some of the names may be duplicates, and they're reviewing the raw data. President Trump says he's answered the questions from special counsel's Robert Mueller's Russia Pro. Overnight, the president finally answering those questions from special counsel Robert Mueller, claiming that he alone responded without the help of his lawyers. At the same time, the president without evidence suggesting the special counsel wants to catch him in a perjury trap. The president has yet to submit his answers, saying he still needs his lawyers to review them. ABC's Tara Palmieri at the White House. Vice President Mike Pence in Papua New Guinea today attending Asian economic talks with world leaders. Earlier, he commented on reports the CIA concluded Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi was ordered killed by Saudi's crown prince. Pence says the U.S. is determined to hold those accountable. Michelle Franz and ABC News. We're beginning our weekend with a partly cloudy sky on your Saturday. Afternoon temperatures topping out upper 40s to low 50s. Winds are a little breezy. We can handle that, though. Your Sunday forecast, clouds will thicken up. Cold front arrives by the end of the day with a late day shower. Highs 45 to 50. Better shower chance into Sunday night, Monday morning. I'm WKYT Chief Mirage's Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24 7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation, this is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Welcome to Tire Discounters. Oh, hiya, Phantom. Hi, Mike. Hey, do you like to save big bucks? I like big bucks. I cannot lie. And the other brothers can't deny? What? You know I don't have any siblings. Well, let's just say that right now you can save big bucks on major brand tires. I like big bucks. And you cannot lie. Why would I lie, Mike? Never mind. Stop by Tire Discounters and save up to 150 big bucks on select major brands, plus a free alignment with a standard four-tire installation. Dell's Black Friday sale for small business is on. Save up to 50% with massive deals on office essentials like computers with 8th gen Intel Core processors and the latest servers. Even other top brand electronics are on sale. Plus, get free shipping on everything. Quantities are limited. Dell's small business technology advisors can help you find the right tech for your business needs at Black Friday prices. Just call 877 by Dell or visit Dell.com slash SB Black Friday. That's 877 by Dell. In my family, we do a gift swap game for the holidays, and one year there was this epic battle over a robe from thecompanystore.com. Now we all bring gifts from the company store, you know, to ensure a good outcome. But I have to admit, I kind of miss the competition. Thecompanystore.com has been perfecting the comforts of home for over 100 years, from cozy pajamas and mittens to home decor and more. Visit thecompanystore.com for Black Friday deals November 19th through 24th, and enter the code FRIDAY for 20% off your order, plus free shipping. 30 WLAP. I just, I don't know what comes out. I just have to do it my way. Of course. Listen, now for me, play some Bach on the guitar. No more Bach. Will you play my favorite Mountain Dew? No, 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 no. Play a nice classical thing, please. I don't want to hear anything classical. I want to play Mountain something. Dew. Wait. <laughs> Can I do something for myself? He's entitled. <laughs>
Back on the Tom Dupree Show. That's Roy Clark playing on the TV show, The, the Odd Couple, showing off his uh, abilities. And, and it's called, uh, I believe I have the pronunciation right on this, Malaguena. Yeah. And it's, it's a Cuban flamenco-based instrumental that he's doing here. Right. I mean, I'm watching the video. I mean, he's, what a talent. Listen to that. We have John Short on the line. John, I'm sure you were a Roy Clark fan. I remember that song. I remember that song. They did. Yeah. My favorite song, Roy Clark, is that Never Peacotton. Oh, yeah. That's right. We'll have to find that one. Yeah. Well, tell me what you got for us, John. It's not good that the Bolsheviks won the House Representatives. That's not good. Yeah. They are Bolsheviks. And then, uh, and then it looks like the American people don't care who wins the House of Representatives. If they care, the Republicans will want to have more seats. Yep, that's right. I agree with you. I know, and it looks like Trump's having a hard time now not getting, getting things done now. Well, that's the way it happens when you have a divided government. They, uh, they're going to try to make it hard on the president, and they'd really like to get rid of him. If they could. They would have to him and Kavanaugh. Yeah. And I think anybody else on the New York Service as well, too, is the answer. That's right. How are we going to do against Middle Tennessee State today? We have 25 biggins today. 25. We didn't do well versus Tennessee. No, we didn't. Because they have better talent and better athletes than we did, so we didn't beat them. Yeah. They certainly, whether they had them or not, they played better. But the women's team won last Wednesday night. Last Thursday night, women's team won. Yeah. So, we're going to win again. We're going to win, win tomorrow. We're going to soccer game tomorrow. We're going to win the volleyball game tomorrow. We're going to win fastball and the men's fastball tomorrow. All right. Well, that's good. At so, least so, because we're, we're, we're ready. Are you glad Andy Barr got reelected? I am. Should the race not be this close? Should be ninety nine percent should vote for Barr, one percent ought to vote for McGrath. It should be that that should have been a big victory for Barr. Yeah. Close. Yeah. All right. You need to let those people know that. I know it. I know because it was too close, and that shouldn't be too close of a race anyway. Yeah. Here's what I think needs to happen for the House Representatives in the Senate. Let the House people be in there for eight years and the Senate for 12 years. Well, that would cut down on the political uh, advertising. It certainly would. I think that'd be great. Yeah. So if you get elected to the House, you're in there for eight years. That's what I think. It's not, but, it, but it's not that way now. You can be as long as you want to. Well, you have to run every two years. I know. But if you're there for eight years and then the, the Senate for 12 years, you wouldn't really have a real house, a real Speaker of the House of Representatives then. That's right. That'd, that'd be even better. Well, all right, I got to jump. Okay. You, you're a great American, John. Great American. Find a Michael Savage book yet? This news one? What's that? The news, the news book that Michael Savage written. Did you find, did you find yet the audio version of his mm-hmm. new book? No, not yet. 
I'll keep looking. Yeah, I came from Amps. The title of it, and that's I can't. This title came from Amps. All right. Well, let me jump, John. Okie dokie. All right. Yeah. Um, John's not happy with the election outcome. Thinks we ought to win by 25 against uh, Middle Tennessee and that uh, we ought to, Andy Barr ought to beat 99 to 1 over McGrath. John was a little chatty this morning, which is, which is fine. Yeah. But there, there was a lot on his mind there. So I, I have a friend of mine, and he thinks the same way. He thinks Kentucky ought to beat everybody by 200 points, and he thinks the Republicans ought to beat everybody and just absolutely destroy uh, uh, their opponents. So my friend and John Short, they're they're right there on their opponents. Right opinions. on top of each yes, other. Yes, they are. Doesn't always come out that way. All right. The L.A. Times thinks that Amazon played American cities for suckers. Um, what happened just recently is that Amazon went through a long process of picking its new, um, its new headquarters. Over the 14-month bachelor-like competition for Amazon's second headquarters, more than 200 cities across the country went to embarrassing and expensive links to woo the online retailer. City leaders raced to hire consultants, compile data, and draft elaborate proposals offering ever more generous financial incentive packages, all in hopes of landing the promise $5 billion corporate office with $50,000 50, high-paying jobs. Although Amazon may have flirted with mid-sized cities like Pittsburgh and Denver and eyed Rust Belt resurgence in Indianapolis and Columbus, Ohio, the company ultimately picked two of the nation's biggest metropolitan areas for its new corporate headquarters, New York City and greater Washington, D.C., with each landing half the jobs. The company managed to extract more than $2 billion in financial incentives and tax breaks in the process. Whether those incentives pay off for taxpayers will depend in large measure on how well Amazon does in the coming years and whether its success gets passed on to workers in the new offices. You know, what happens in a, a thing like this, let's say a city is going to get half of the jobs, 25,000 jobs, paying uh, $100,000 a year. That's $2.5 billion worth of payroll coming into that city. It is, in my opinion, it is justified to pay up in a big way to get those jobs because those jobs will pay lots of local taxes for many, many years. And uh, it, 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 the, the article here seems to think that it's a waste of time it says did all that wooing make really a difference no it sure looks like amazon used the open bidding process to play cities against each other so it could extract more financial incentives from a short list of locations the company was seriously considering for headquarters i'll tell you something if lexington had been in the running for twenty-five thousand jobs at a hundred thousand dollars a piece I mean, they should have simply bought and given them Calumet Farm, you know, for uh, for where their headquarters would be. I mean, you look at the impact of that kind of, 
employment on your city, what it does for your tax base, what it does for um, so many things in the city, uh, public services, the the city of Lexington on a two and a half billion dollar um, payroll would be getting somewhere around five hundred million dollars. Uh, I think no, no, not that much. Fifty million dollars a year in new uh, taxes, two percent, which is what our tax rate is. Um, that would be an amazing amazing um, bump to all of our city services. Uh, Amazon is one of the world's biggest companies. It needs to expand and has to do that in the few cities with large, highly skilled workforces such as New York City and Washington. This thing says Amazon played the incentive game masterfully. Well, of course they did. They're going to get the best deal they can get for um, for their uh, for themselves. And if the cities are willing to put up all sorts of tax incentives and potential real estate and things like that in order to get to get them, then. Uh, you have to look at the long-term payoff. Toyota was given all sorts of tax incentives to come to Lex to come to Central Kentucky, Georgetown, and people thought it was too much at the time that we're giving away the the bank. Well, giving everything away. Well, the fact of the matter is, Toyota has made a lasting and really hard to measure. Um, mark on Central Kentucky, but it has been an incredibly strong um, corporate partner to have in Central Kentucky. The amount of wealth that's been created, especially among workers who now have 401ks worth several hundred thousand to a million dollars that never would have gotten that kind of wealth by doing something else, um, is hard to count because there's there's a bunch of them. I mean, it, it's just these kinds of things. In my opinion, they're typically worth the dollars that they put up to get them. And I would say that uh, that Amazon uh, may have gotten a good deal, but the city that came that it came to got an even better deal. Because they get a longer term, they're they're giving them one time, maybe multi year tax incentives. But typically, those things will play out over a while, and then the 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 company will still be there paying local taxes, paying uh, payroll taxes, property taxes, those kinds of things. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP. The midterm elections. This campaign is behind us. The destination now. We want to keep it going. 2020. A change is going to come. Keep America great. Ride. 
News Radio 630. Revving its engines. WLAP. At Dupree Financial Group, we do not earn commissions on your hard-earned retirement dollars. We don't sell you investment products that are difficult to understand. We do research on every security we recommend to you and follow them closely. We meet with you every six months to go over your investment performance. We don't hide from you. We communicate with you regularly about the status of your investments with us. We want you to be informed, comfortable, and happy. If all this sounds too good to be true, give us a try. Call us at 859-233-0400, and we'll set up a no-cost, no-obligation review of your retirement investment portfolio. You may be pleasantly surprised to find out what sort of services are available to you, the retirement investor. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. I never picked cotton, but my mother did, and my brother did, and my sister did, and my daddy died young, working in the coal mine. When I was just a baby, too little for a cotton sack, I played in the dirt while the others worked till they couldn't straighten up their backs. And I made myself a promise when I was big enough to run that I'd never stay a single day in that Oklahoma sun. And I never picked cotton. But my mother did and my brother did and my sister did and my daddy died young. Working in a coal mine Folks said I grew up early And that the farm couldn't hold me then So I stole ten bucks and a pickup truck And I never went back again Then it was fast cars and whiskey Long-haired girls and fun I had everything that money could bring And I took it all with a gun But I never picked cotton but my mother did, and my brother did, and my sister did, and my daddy died young, working in a coal mine. Back on the Tom Dupree show. Well-known Roy Clark song. That's just that's a an anthem for certain people. Never picked cotton. Never had to. Nancy Pelosi should and will be the Democrat Speaker of the House. <coughs> this is by Robert Creamer, guest writer. This will give you a little bit about the progressives' um, end game. First and foremost, Pelosi is a committed progressive. That means she's a liberal. Her views are shared by the vast majority of newly elected Democratic caucus and by the country as a whole. I'm reading from an article by Robert Creamer published in the uh, Huffington Post. Pelosi understands that most Americans 
support progressive positions on health care. That means give it away to people free. Taxes means tax high. Tax the hell out of the rich. Immigration, let the borders be open. That's what that means. Civil rights, that means that everybody other than white American males should have their rights be protected. Gun violence, that means that means take away your guns. LGBTQ rights, that goes in with civil rights, um, that you would have this pushed in your face. Unions, that means they would like to unionize pretty much every form of uh, labor throughout the country. Raising the wages of ordinary Americans, $15 an hour for sweeping a floor to where people can no longer afford floor sweepers. And cleaning up government, and I'm not sure what they mean by that because um, government, the corruptness of government, that's that's a two-party problem. But it certainly is... something that the Democrats have uh, contributed to. She also understands that those progressive positions are supported overwhelmingly by the rising parts of the American electorate. See, the problem that the Democrats are worried about is that there's going to be a big uh, pushback from their younger members that they don't want Pelosi, who represents the old view, um, being their um, being their leader, so uh, this is what they're trying to uh, keep from happening, and this is why uh, Kramer is writing this. He wants to support Pelosi, which is probably somebody he's done lobbying for, or you know, or with. I'm not sure what the connection is there, but um, it gives you some idea as to the stuff that will go on in the Democratic Party leading up to this uh, speaker's election. Capitalism still working. This is from James Freeman on the Wall Street Journal. Karl Marx's economic forecast was, was even worse than Paul Krugman's. Not only has socialist theory been wrong about the economic and political fruits of capitalism, it has failed to see the problems that arise in socialist governments. Socialism's record has been pain, not gain, especially for the poor. Socialism produced mass starvation in Eastern Europe and China. But see, people who say that they're socialists don't care about the facts. They just think it sounds like a great way to do things. Let's Let's, let's make it that way. As it undermined the ability of farmers to grow and market their crops in less extreme incarnations such as the U.K. And, and in the decades after World War II and before Margaret Thatcher, it stunted growth. In most cases, socialism's monopoly on economic control also fomented co- corruption by government officials, as was especially apparent in Latin America and African socialist regimes. regimes. 
The adverse economic consequences of socialism led the Scandinavian countries to dial back their versions of socialism in the past decade. The good news is that despite the resurgence of Marxist chic among young people in the U.S., people seeking the wealth that American youngsters can take for granted already know that Marxism doesn't work. Socialism has been abandoned in virtually all the developing world. Countless countries today, countries today do not seek to emulate the disasters of North Korea, Cuba, or Venezuela. They also avoid high taxation of the rich. That reflects the recognition that countries compete with each other for capital. Expropriating the rich tends to make them leave, and when they leave, they take their wealth with them. See, that's what happens. When you take away the rights of people to the things that they've created, the right to own, the right to um, take care of your own capital, to shepherd uh, your own possessions in the way that you choose. The philosophical shift in the developing world is a major change since the 1980s when socialism was still fashionable among some of the developing world. The shift away from socialist thinking was grounded in the growing body of empirical evidence about the kinds of policies that produce growth and poverty alleviation, that is, policies that use markets as a lever of economic development. Now developing countries such as Mexico, Brazil, Colombia, Chile, India, China, South Africa, Vietnam, Thailand, and Indonesia are known as emerging economies a description that recognizes their need to emerge from state control of their economies through privatization, free trade, and the creation of viable private financial intermediaries to promote growth and poverty alleviation. So the developing world is embracing capitalism more and more, and it should. Stay with us. Mike Johnson will be here. And we're going to be talking about uh, things from the economy and from the markets. News Radio 630 WLAP.